Dearly beloved, we are gathered together here in the sight of God and in the face of this congregation to join together this man and this woman in the bonds of holy matrimony. Marriage is an honorable estate instituted by God in paradise at the time of man's innocency, signifying unto us the mystical union that is between Christ and His church, which holy estate Christ adorned and beautified with His presence and His first miracle at a wedding in Cana of Galilee. Marriage is commended to us by the writer to the Hebrews as being honorable among all men. The Lord God ordained marriage for three purposes. First, it was ordained for the mutual society, help, and comfort of one another, both in prosperity and adversity. Secondly, marriage was ordained for the procreation of children, to be brought up in the fear and nurture of the Lord and praise of God. Thirdly, it was ordained for a remedy against sin, to avoid fornication, that such persons who do not have the gift of celibacy might marry and keep themselves undefiled as members of Christ's body. The covenant of marriage is not to be entered into unadvisedly, hastily, or carelessly, but reverently, thoughtfully, advisedly, solemnly, and in the fear of God. To be joined together into this holy estate, Joseph and Naomi now stand before us. Therefore, if anyone can show any just cause why they may not be lawfully joined together, let him now speak, or else hereafter forever to hold his peace. Who gives this woman to be married to this man? It is with great joy that her mother and I give Naomi to be married to Joseph. Please be seated. Our text this afternoon comes from the Holy Bible in the book of the prophet Jeremiah, the second chapter and the 32nd verse. We find there these words, Can a maid forget her ornaments or bride her attire? Yet my people have forgotten me days without number. With the Lord's help, let us open up the sense of these words from Scripture on this special wedding day. Our text from the Bible speaks about forgetting, yet it is also about remembering. It alludes to a wedding, which is always a day of remembrances. For years to come, we will look back and cherish the memory of this beautiful wedding day. How can we forget such a day of blessing as this one? But what will you remember from this wedding day? Will it be some part of this ceremony which we have just begun? Perhaps it will be the exchange of rings or the sound of the couple's voices as each of them take their solemn vows and say in turn, I do. Or will you remember the appearance of the groom's men as they stand here next to the groom? Will you remember the graceful entrance of the bridesmaids? Or will you remember the look on Joseph's face as his bride walked down the aisle? 
Yes, all of these and much more will become treasured memories for us. But perhaps most of all, you will remember the grace and beauty of the bride. For our scripture text this afternoon speaks of a bride, even a bride as she gets married, like Naomi is today. The text asks this question, Can a maid forget her ornaments or a bride her attire? The prophet here is challenging us, no, demanding of us to answer this question. Can it ever be possible? Do you think that it ever could happen that a bride would forget to make herself look beautiful on her own wedding day? Or can a young woman ever forget her personal accessories? Even if the fashion of the day is for the young woman to look casual, unkempt, or countercultural in her appearance, she still takes great effort and much time to give herself that very appearance. And though this question is intriguing for all of us to consider, it may be particularly interesting to hear how all the ladies present today would answer it. Is it possible? Can a maid or a young woman forget her ornaments or bride her attire? In our text, the word ornaments is parallel to the word attire. And as this is commonly done in the Hebrew language, this means that one word can help to explain the other. We find that in our text with the pair of words maid and bride. This suggests that the bride is a young woman and that the young woman will soon be a bride. But we also have this parallelism where the finery of ornaments may be considered in the same sense as the elaborate clothing of the bride's attire. This very fine wedding gown is illustrated for us in Psalm 45 where we read of a royal bride whose clothing is of wrought gold and in raiment of needlework. So a woman may adorn herself with jewelry, but in general this word ornaments may refer to a very fine garment such as a wedding gown. It may include a particular reference to the bride's veil. The other word, attire, in the original language comes from the root to bind. So this word, which means the bride's bindings, may indicate her girdle, or like the other word ornaments, it may refer to something ornamental which is tied around her neck or her head. We have these same two words used together in the book of Isaiah, chapter 49, verse 18, where we read, As I liveth, say the Lord, thou shalt surely clothe thee with them all as with an ornament, and bind them on thee as a bride doeth. Regardless of what these terms may mean precisely, the point is that it is only natural for a bride or a young woman to make herself look beautiful. Indeed, this natural inclination is even further reinforced by the vanity of the various fashions of our fallen world. As the Puritan John Trapp put it, their ornaments are but the nest of pride, and they think to gain more credit by their garments than by their graces. Or as the Protestant reformer John Calvin put it, we see that girls are so taken with their ornaments through a foolish passion that they value such trinkets more than their very life. Indeed, what value will the beauty of today's popular fashion have in eternity? As fitting as it is that a bride would make herself look beautiful in her wedding apparel on her wedding day, one day, these beautiful wedding garments will be faded and dusty. 
Is it not part of the vanity of life when a young woman's beauty also fades and dims? Reminds me of something that Pastor Tim Keller wrote in his book on marriage. He said, When I've done weddings and I look at the bride and groom standing there looking fabulous in their finery, I'm often tempted to quip, You look terrific, but it's all downhill from here. You'll never look this good again. Yet, as Adam Clark says in his commentary at this place, even once they have reached old age, women will look with pleasure on the dress and ornaments that they have worn in their youth. In the light of these things, remember again the words from our text. Can a maid forget her ornaments or bride her attire? The implied answer is, surely not. As Matthew Henry comments, their hearts are upon their ornaments They value them so much and in themselves upon them that they are ever and anon thinking and speaking of them. So you see, this is not something that needs to be taught. It comes naturally. My six-year-old daughter, Felicity, often comes up to me to ask if the dress she is wearing is pretty. I always try to make some observation about the dress so that my reply would be more meaningful to her. Yes, honey, it's, it's very pretty. And I especially like how the pink stripe here goes so well with your pink shoes. Then she turns away satisfied, walking away with a big smile on her face. But did my wife or I have to teach her to be concerned about her appearance? Did we have to instruct her how she could enjoy making herself look lovely? Not in the least. It comes completely naturally to her. And this is what the Lord God is telling us here in our text. Can a maid forget her ornaments or a bride her attire? But with all this, we still have not come to the main point of our text. All this talk of a bride's ornaments and adornment serves only as an illustration to the main points. What is that point? It is what we find in these words, yet my people have forgotten me days without number. Do you see how God uses a wedding to illustrate our forgetfulness of Him? Do you see how the Lord exposes our shame to ourselves so that we will remember Him? There's no way that a bride will forget her ornaments and finery But God's people have forgotten him longer than anyone can remember. Should not the Lord be more valuable to us than a wedding gown? As John Calvin puts it, Can anything be found among the most valuable jewels and the most precious stones that can be compared with Christ? My friends, is this the way it is with you on this fair wedding day? Have you forgotten God? Maybe there was a time when your faith was much stronger than it is now. Maybe that was when you were much younger. Maybe it was when you were getting married. Life was so fresh then, and your future was so open and full of possibilities. But what happened? You stumbled. Or was it that something knocked you down and hit you hard? Life turned stale and All of your ambitions for the future just never came to fruition. One by one, they all withered away. 
And so you forgot about God. Your faith vanished with your hopes of life. It is as if you put your faith down somewhere and you don't remember where you laid it. You have stopped paying any attention to what you really believe. Many years have passed since you have thought about the Lord. In fact, you haven't had a serious thought about God since you can't remember when. As our text says, God's people have forgotten Him for innumerable days, days without number. Sadly, it's all the same as if you have never known Him. Maybe there was a day when you resolved not to think of God ever again, and so you stopped going to church. Or maybe you still go to church, but every Sunday you pick up that virtual time card and you punch in at the beginning of the service, and then you punch out immediately afterwards. What was your mind in that service of worship? Yet feeling that you have completed your duty of attending upon God's holy ordinances, you have appeased your conscience, at least to some extent. So you run home to make the most of the remains of the day for yourself. Instead of following after Jesus, you follow after your favorite sport teams on TV. Instead of seeking to keep God's commandments so that you may please Him, you make up your own rules of life and seek to please yourself. So in this way, we replace our remembrance of God with so many trivialities. Nor, as we read in the first chapter of the book of Romans, we have changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like to corruptible man. As Matthew Henry comments at this place, it is sad that any should be more in love with their fine clothes than with their God, and should rather leave their religion behind them or part with that than leave any of their ornaments behind them or part with them. This is what our text is primarily talking about. This is the main point. Girls care more about their many trinkets than you and I do about the eternal God of heaven. This is not only foolish, but perverse. When we forget about God, we are not only ungrateful, but we have contracted some kind of madness. How can we forget God when every good thing that we enjoy in life is a gift from Him? As we read in the first chapter of the book of James, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. How can we forget God when as we read in the 17th chapter of the book of Acts, He giveth to all life and breath, and all things. How can we forget God when Scripture says in another place that His grace abounds much more than our sin? How can we forget God when the Bible says that God is love? And this challenge from our text is meant for all of us. If we have not forgotten God yet, will we? Someday in the future, will we forget him? For many days, for several years, after this wedding day has passed away, where will you be in your walk of faith? 
Where will I be in my faith? Will a fog of forgetfulness descend down upon us? Will our faith fade away like the memory of some long-ago wedding day? For those of you who are already married, perhaps today will remind you of your own wedding day. Do you remember how young and foolish you were? But oh, how much in love. Do you remember how warm those ray beams of love felt as you basked in that matrimonial love for each other? A wedding day such as this one is a day of remembrances. But have those ray beams of love cooled? Has that bright light of conjugal love dimmed? Perhaps... In the Lord's good providence, today will also be a day of remembrances for you, a day of renewal, a day of renewal for your love to your spouse, a day of remembrance of the Lord's goodness to you throughout your whole life. Wedding days have a way of reminding us of these things, don't they? Our couple standing before us today must also not forget They must not forget as they look back on their wedding day. They must not forget the Lord God in their marriage for those innumerable days which now lie ahead of them, God willing. For unless the Lord will build their marriage, they labor in vain to build it. Joseph and Naomi, don't forget. It is the Lord who has brought you together today. It is the Lord who is blessing you with his gift of marriage. Don't forget, it is the Lord Jesus Christ who is at the center of your matrimonial union. For our saving relationship with Christ is pictured as a marriage. As we read in the fifth chapter of the book of Ephesians, we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. For this cause shall a man Leave his father and mother, and shall be joined unto his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Joseph, Naomi, don't forget, it is the Lord who has given you your love for each other. So when you have your squabbles and fights in your marriage, like all married people have, Don't forget to turn to the principles found in Scripture to help you in your reconciliation. For example, as we read in the 12th chapter of the book of Romans, we should be kindly affectionate to each other and in honor prefer one another and not ourselves. So when you face each other in conflict, don't strive to win the argument. Whenever you win an argument in marriage, you lose your marriage partner. If you win the argument, you will soon find out how empty your victory feels. As you see your spouse walking away and taking away with her or him their love for you. You have won your argument all right, but you have lost your beloved's affection. What's really more important? This is like the young woman remembering her accessories while we forget our God. It is to our shame. We are all prone to a kind of chronic sleepwalking in our walk of faith. We greedily snap up the most magnificent of gifts, 
but forget that it is the Lord who gives them to us. By our spiritual lethargy, we hold the divine gift giver in contempt. And though this forgetfulness is common to us all, and our faith so often falls short, yet praise God, He is faithful. God will not forget. The Lord Jesus Christ remembers. Even as the bride remembers to make herself look beautiful on her wedding day, so the Lord Jesus will not neglect to adorn His bride with the jewels of holiness and the garments of righteousness. As we read in the 61st chapter of the book of Isaiah, For the Lord my God hath clothed me with the garments of salvation. He hath covered me with the robe of righteousness, as a bride adorneth herself with her jewels. In the fifth chapter of the book of Ephesians, we see a wonderful description of the Lord Jesus as the loving and self-sacrificing bridegroom, beautifying his bride. We read, Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word, that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. So do you see... No earthly beauty, no jewelry or fine clothing can compare to those robes of righteousness with which the Lord Jesus clothes His bride. No adornment of ours can compare with the Christ-like beauty of the glorious, immortal, resurrected bodies of the saints. As the bridegroom, the Lord Jesus Christ is heavenly, so His bride will possess a heavenly beauty. As we read in the opening of the 21st chapter of the book of Revelation, And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And though we will be encapsulated with the very beauty of Christ's holiness, our perfected shining beauty will not distract our gaze so as to turn us away from our sweet Savior is that most pious Scottish minister of the 17th century, Samuel Rutherford, once put it, So we in the life to come, howbeit clothed with glory as with a robe, shall not so much be affected with that glory that goes about us as with the bridegroom's joyful face and presence. Remember, remember, the Lord Jesus Christ Himself is the ornament of God's people. As the Westminster Annotations put it, Christ is the church's honor, dignity, and glory. And as C.F. Kyle comments, God is His people's best adornment. To Him they owe all the precious possessions they have. When we introduced our text to the beginning, Can a maid forget her ornaments or a bride her attire? Yet my people have forgotten me days without number. We said that this will become a day of remembrances. As we look back on this wedding day, let us remember it is the Lord God who gave this blessed gift of marriage to Joseph and Naomi. 
for all good gifts come from Him. We must not forget God, even that we may look back on this wedding day as a time when we renewed our faith and trust in Him. Remember your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, Joseph and Naomi. In the midst of your joy today, don't forget God. If there is to be any lasting love in your marriage together, it must be centered upon Jesus Christ. Remember that only then will Christ be an ornament of great beauty within your marriage. Remember, only as he adorns you with the pearls of his grace will your love for each other be perfected. Amen.